I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome to Dadtastic, a podcast about dads. One of us is a breakdancer, the other one's Tom. You need to go more in depth. More in depth? Because I grew up breakdancing, so here's the story. My mom owned a beauty salon in our house up in Shadow Valley. That's where we are. That's our hood. The Shadow, we were the SVG, Shadow Valley Gang. We weren't really that tough. Do we We want to start this podcast like this? Or? Why not? Ah, just keep going then. So we, That's we, embarrassing. Why is it embarrassing? Shadow Valley Gang yeah, to you is not embarrassed. No, we're the Shadow Valley Gang. Me, Paul Yoakum, Tony Henderson, Mike Smith. We don't need names. Why? Because. They're going to be proud. Finally, they're getting some recognition. The recognition they've sought so long for. You feel as though these people, including yourself, deserve recognition for coming up with the name Shadow Valley Gang. Yeah, Jeremy Booth, and most of these guys are like Stop doctors. Stop saying the names. <laughs> doctors, lawyers, I mean, all smart kids. And me. And me. And so my mom owned a beauty salon in the basement of our house. And this is when Breakdancing 2 Electric Boogaloo came out. Mm. And Turbo and Ozone, they were the stars of this. And they were popping and locking and breaking. You were listening to the New York City Breakers, the big time money makers. And my mom had this idea. Mm. We should probably get our kids some breakdancing lessons. So she hired two kids from the inner city to come up in this neighborhood and teach us how to pop and lock and do the backspin and all that. Did you, did you ever ask what her uh, reasoning behind this was? You know, my mom was a big proponent of us learning how to dance. Okay. And it, and it really paid off in the long run as we got older. You can boogie still? Oh, I love to dance. Huh? I'm, I'm, I can shake it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, but anyway. So when I all of a sudden we got to high school dances and in college and even in you know the clubs when I went to clubs, I mean that's where I succeeded. That's that's where that's where I was confident. That's where I had the money moves. Go out there and I was ready. Yeah, let's dance. Right. So my mom was always a proponent of that, and so we had these guys show up and teach us break dancing. So we'd pop and lock, and the neighborhood came over here. And I remember one time there's this amusement park here in Utah called Lagoon, and I was on a tumbling team, and I was in my onesie. <laughs> And we were doing <laughs> the true story. And we were doing these passes. And then these kids came up in, in, in our tumbling routine. We did a little break dancing. Well, these guys came up and they're like, oh, you guys think you can break dance? And we were like, yeah, we can break dance. And they go, meet us behind the bumper cars. Dun, dun, dun. Done. Let's do this. So we went behind the bumper cars, and these guys waxed the floor with us. <laughs> <laughs> these guys, these guys were really they were legit. Huh? Yeah, they were legit. We all come out with our four moves, like. 
like that. And Popping. They, yeah. And they're like, uh-uh. Like, nah, fool. They get on so, their head and start spinning. Yeah. So for the rest of the time we were at Lagoon, wherever they were, we weren't. Yeah. You're like, there they are. SVG. Let's <laughs> yeah. go. Let's go. <laughs> SVG. We're out. We out. <laughs> uh, you bring up onesie. So you had a onesie at how old? So I was a, a, a tumbler from probably about third grade until seventh. Huh. And then I went from that onesie into a wrestling singlet because uh-huh. I was a wrestler from 7th till about 10th grade until I found out that I wasn't very good at wrestling. That's a hard sport. Yeah, I didn't like it much. Yeah, we don't do that in Australia. And then from there, I decided I'd, I'd just take it to the next level and got a Speedo and was on the diving team at I Ogden like High. I like that. The old yeah. budgie smuggler. Oh. Love that. And so here's a true story, and, and, and I'll bring it in next week. And we were just talking about this last night at a family party. Nice. Letterman jackets. Hate them. Hate them? Yeah. So I had a Letterman jacket. Hate them. And I had it for pole vaulting. I had it for football. But the sport I really excelled at was diving. So you had some pins. So some pins. Mm. My mom thought she was going to do me a solid. Okay. She takes my Letterman jacket. Okay. And I go, what do you do? She's like, I got something for you. So she was going to put something diving on it. Like on the back? On the back. And it was gone for two weeks. She brought it back. She turned it around. And you know what's on the back of my Letterman jacket? A guy with blonde hair and a Speedo bent over in the pike pose. And if you knew my friends, not the, not the friends like the SVG because those were solid guys, mm. but my high school buddies, mm. ooh, I wore that once. Never again. Got lit up like a Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah. That's a day. Yeah. Like, respect to mom. Yeah. For trying. Oh, yeah. She was trying. Like, if, it, if that Letterman's jacket was gone for two weeks, that means she put some serious time and effort into it. Oh, yeah. But it just didn't pay off. No. And that's kind of the story of life. Yeah. You just go and you try, and sometimes it works. More often it doesn't, but you just keep plowing through. But. Who are you? What are you talking about? Because I'm you're a motivational speaker today. Well, you're putting a positive spin on this. Usually you're the negative Nelly. You're kind of just a little bit of a downer. No, know? I'm all about trying new things, except for skydiving or anything with heights. You've never skydived? Won't do it. Would you do it with me? No. Why? Would you get a tattoo? If you skydive. I don't like that answer. Because at least I'm open and willing to try. Kind of taking the advice you just bestowed upon me. Well, yeah, I gave you the advice and then said, but... But Here, here's what I'm not willing to do. This is a classic dad answer for skydivers. Why would you jump out of a perfectly good plane? <laughs> That's what my dad always said. And I go, I don't know, because I just kind of want to try it. So I did it on my 40th birthday. Me and Debbie Worthen did it on TV. The weird part is, is you're sitting on a guy's lap. They cinch you in. Then they scoot over like a dog cleaning its butt on the carpet to the open door. And then you just fall out. How high did you go? So we were talking about last night. Uh, How many things did you talk about last night? It was a party. It was fun. Cool. Uh, 17,000 feet. That's high. Yeah. That's you free really, fall. That's high. Free fall for a minute. Yeah, 17,000 feet. I don't know what the limit is, but I know seven. I know. It, I think it starts at 10-ish. 17's high. Because so, I, if, I fly to, if I fly back home to, to Australia mm-hmm. in those big A380s, like we're talking the double-deckers. So if I go, side story that I'll be quick with, if I go to LAX airport when I'm going home mm-hmm. and I go to the international terminal and I'm sitting at the gate waiting to, to board the plane and I look at the plane I'm about to board, if it's an A380, it's the biggest plane in the entire airport. 
Okay. And we're talking LAX. Yeah, I get there it. There are a lot of planes. Those planes fly at about 30,000. Sometimes they can get to 40,000. Wow. Feet, depending on wind and, and all that good stuff. But so, 17,000 feet's really high. Like, if we flew from here to, to LA, there's a good chance we're hovering at about 32,000, 33,000. So that's quite far way up there. And that's like a, well above the clouds. So Leslie's brother, the lovely Leslie, my girlfriend, her brother's a pilot. And before he got hired onto a major airline, he used to fly skydivers and drop them. And so this is why we're talking about it, because Leslie's son, Tate, is going to go skydiving this Saturday. I assume he's done it before. No, he's never done it before. But he used to fly the plane. No, no. So no, this is her son. Oh, okay. Sorry. sorry. So her son is getting ready to go. And I said, so how did that conversation go with your mom? You know, because moms, when their kids are going to jump out of a plane, there's probably a little... Intrepidation, yeah, or a yeah. little scary, no. like you know. I go, what did your mom say? Classic Leslie. How much does it cost? <laughs> Two hundred fifty bucks. And she goes, you know, that's a truck payment. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, yeah, mom, but it's an experience, you know, and, and I want to do this. Have fun with that truck payment. <laughs> <laughs> How high is he jumping out of? It'll be 17,000 feet. It'll be 17. Yeah, out of uh, Skydive Ogden. The biggity, 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 biggity Oh, That's right. So if you go skydiving with me, I'll get a tattoo with you. Just think about it. Just let that marinate. Let's ponder. I'll ponder. Yeah, yeah. I'll come back maybe next week or the week after. We can talk more about it. But everybody's talking about back to school. It's back to school time at my house. Uh, all over the internet. So last night, that's why we had a party. So uh, on Leslie's side of the family, what okay. they do instead of having a birthday every month, because you can get overloaded with birthdays, especially when you start combining families and everybody's got kids and grandparents and all that stuff. I mean, there's not enough weeks in the month to go to birthday parties. So what they do is they break it down into a three-month period. So if your birthday falls in that three-month period. We throw one party at the end, and it's for everybody. I don't know about that case. I like it. Do you? I like it a okay. lot. Okay. I guess, okay. I haven't ever heard of that. I hadn't either. Happening. I hadn't either, but this is how they do it, and I, and I kind of like it. Because You're on board. I'm on board. Okay, well, talk to me. Because you, cause th- that's the thing is, is that, you know, Saturday and Sunday and Friday, you know, kids back to school, there's always something going on. And so if you can just block off one day out of those three months to celebrate these guys' birthday, that's but, perfect. Oh, yeah. But you, you still have the party in your own home for their day of their birthday. This is just when all the extended family gets together. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, you don't negate their birthday on the day of it. Oh, We're going to do it at the end of the month. This is just when all the family comes together. Okay. I, 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 I don't hate it as much. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you get a couple more kids in there, and then you've got, you know, your brother, your brother-in-laws, your sister, sister-in-laws, they've all got parties. Yeah, there's a lot of birthdays. But it was the last night of summer. And so we were partying by the pool, just playing some music, watching the kids dance. I was holding up inner tubes and making kids dive through them. I mean, it was a lot of fun. And I remember right now my kids are all a little nervous because this is the first time they're all going to be in schools by themselves. For the longest time, you know, there was usually two kids in one school at the same time. Right. Now, now they're I'm, all segregated. All, yep, segregated. And so my young, my middle child, Frankie, she's just getting ready to go to junior high. And we had a big conversation. That's a big deal. She's like, Dad, what if nobody wants to be my friend? And I was like, no, honey. That, I said, have you ever had a problem making friends? No, but this is different, Dad. I mean, this is junior high. This is junior high. We get lockers. I've got six different classes a day. And, you know, and I was just like, just 
Frank, just be yourself. And I promise you, you'll have no problems making friends. You got what your dad's got. She's What's like, that? What? Charisma. That's what you told her. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that. And so hopefully that'll work. Bowden, who's my youngest son, uh, is like, hey, you cool? He goes, yeah, Dad, I'm cool. He goes, I really like lunch and recess. <laughs> Tell me all. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, cool, buddy. Cool. He's normal. Yeah. He's normal. And this is my oldest child's going to high school for the first time. Now she Presley. Was, yeah, she was part of the high school, but she was in ninth grade. And, they, and she was just on the drill team. So she was at junior high still. And so this is a game changer to, for her as well. Well, I think the biggest jump's from junior high to high school. Well, yeah, I, I'll stand by that. I think that's the biggest jump. Did you guys have middle school back in Australia? Yeah. That's what we had growing up too. So it was – No junior high. No junior high. Yeah. It, but And see, I do like high school because I think it's too early to throw ninth graders with 12th graders. There's too big of an age gap in there. So I got in a lot mid, of trouble. Yeah, middle school is – Six, seven, eight. See, ours is seven, eight. Oh, just seven, eight. Seven, eight, and then high school, nine through 12. Oh. Yeah. I liked it. I went to an all boys school. Did you? Yeah. Were they taught by nuns? No. Why? Don't know. Because it wasn't a nun school. No, but I mean, but why an all boys school? Um, I, I, I don't know the reasoning behind that. It was a, I was fortunate. It was a private school. Sure. Um, and it was an all boys school. And a lot of the schools in that area were same sex schools. Uh huh. And I actually really liked it. But I guess I didn't know any different, right? So, uh, like during the day, it was just all boys. But then on the weekends, it was all girls. Well, yeah, you'd go and you'd hang out with the girls. And but did you guys ever do dances where you'd go meet up and like on a Friday be like, hey, we're going to this school for a dance? Well, you'd have to be invited. So if we, if we had a dance at our school, then we'd have to reach out to another girl from another school and bring them in. Mm. Yeah. Now, do you guys do the thing that we do here in the States where you ask somebody to a dance, you do it in a creative no. way? They don't do it now? No. Well, I mean, I, none of me or my mates ever did that. It was like, you know... Jump on the old uh, AOL Messenger. Uh huh. You know, and like, wait for it to dial up. Yeah. What was that noise? It made a noise. <laughs> that was the internet. That was the internet. I yeah. love that. That's yeah. so nostalgic, that noise. Yeah. But see, that's the nostalgic to your age. Oh. My age was having a phone connected to a wall with a 30-foot cord. And you would take that phone and you'd go lock yourself in a closet or underneath the bed and you'd be talking. And we'd be like, oh, yeah. And you talk for hours, man. Three to four hours. Yeah. Do you remember the phones where they became wireless, right? But they had a little stand that you had yeah. to charge. Uh, but you probably had a couple of them in the home, kind uh-huh. of pl- placed in the basement, wherever. And and uh, growing up, we would always write, like, I'm the oldest of five, and we have, uh, I have three brothers and a sister. And the sister's the youngest. But all the brothers would uh, race to the phone mm-hmm. when it rang. So excited to see who, and you know, it was no, always nobody, but, um, or nobody exciting, I should say. But if you didn't get to the phone first, you'd sneak to another part of the house, pick up the phone quietly, and see who's on the other line. Do you, do you remember that? A little eavesdropping, yeah. Yes. I got busted plenty of times. So did I. Like my mom would listen, and she'd be like, You guys are going to do what? Yeah. There's going to be alcohol there? You're not going. Yeah. That was they were fun days, man. Yeah. They were cool. And then the Motorola flip felt yep. like an FBI agent. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, Whoom. 
I remember my mom had one of the very first cell phones, and this was probably when I was 12. So this was in the 80s. It was one of those large brick phones. Uh-huh. And the rule was somebody better be dying for you to call me on this uh-huh. thing because it was a buck, two bucks a minute or yep. something like that. And it was. It was like you couldn't call mom and go, hey, uh, there's no milk. <laughs> my uh, my father-in-law was telling us a quick story about how he had th- – and this might have been the first – phone that wasn't attached to all he had it in between he had a, he owned a truck he was he was a general contractor i guess he still is he had a phone in between the driving seat and the passenger seat yeah i've never heard of that until that's, he said that's money moves big time but he yeah. had to get rid of it because uh it was like the 800 dollar first month bill oh that's what yeah that's what everyone's like oh can i use the phone he's like sure not anyway not knowing but so was back to school a big thing in Australia? Did you guys do the same thing that we do? For the most part, yeah. You know, you take the photos and uh, you get dressed. Well, I guess. See, his because I went to a private school. We had a uniform. Ah. We had a tie and a shirt and pants or shorts and leather shoes and we even had a, a jacket. We had to wear blazer? a blazer or a we call them a jumper. You guys call them like a sweatshirt. I I don't know what you guys call them actually. I don't even know what you're talking about. Neither do I. Huh. But, uh, yeah, we had a uniform. We, had, we took the photos like you guys do. Uh, I think back to school right now, right, this, this week uh-huh. is as uh, big of a deal as it's ever been. Well, because there's so many different things going across the country right now. Like my kids are only going back two days a week and doing online the other three. Some are going back four days yep. a week and just taking Friday off. Some are going back five days a week. And so it used to be where you'd see on Instagram right now where kids are going back to school and parents would be sitting in the pool going, yeah, finally back to school. Yeah, got a little margarita in there, yeah, cocktail. Re- ready to rock and roll. But now everybody's still trying to figure out how this is all going to play out. What, what time does school start for your kids? So I've got, so one starts at 7.30, 8, and 8.30. Now, can we agree that that's too early? Why? Seventh, what do you mean? They've done no, a, a number of studies already. Oh, this where, is where you get a, a guarantee from Tom that has no basis, in fact, whatsoever. Yeah, very little. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm going to say it anyway because well, I'm not scared. of course, why not? Yeah. yeah. Um, the brain doesn't start functioning at a reasonably high level until about 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that is so untrue. I'm dead serious. That might be your brain, but that's Look, not true. The American Academy of Pediatrics has recommended that middle and high schools start at 8.30 or later to give students the opportunity to get the amount of sleep they need. But most American adolescents start school too early, Case. Well, I, I get that, but that, that doesn't say anything that your brains don't work. Well, it's, just, yeah. it's just about getting sleep. So, um, Josh, can you Google for me um, when when uh, wh- when does the brain start working in the it's morning? Always working. It's always working. Well, okay. When does the brain start working well? <laughs> We're still waiting for you. When you want it to. You, <laughs> you think it's not working well? I am all systems go at the minute. I'm feeling pretty good. We'll get to it another time. Have I you shall- had a cup of coffee? A cup of coffee? Yeah. Uh, I have had a cup of coffee. Because you seem a little energetic. Yeah? Yeah. Well, we just did a TV uh, uh, presentation with... Uh, Brooke Walker. Yeah, on Studio, Studio 5. Studio 5. That's why, in case you see this right here, I've got some premium professional starch. 
You might ask, why do you have that? I don't, I don't even know what that is. So this is what makes your shirt really stiff and rigid because sometimes when you're ironing your shirt, if you don't put something on it, like, yeah, you obviously don't iron. Uh, I don't either. But see, can you feel my shirt? Go ahead, feel it. See how that's crisp and clean? Yeah, that's buttery. Yeah, because Leslie uses starch and she, you know, ironed my shirt for me. So this is funny. And uh, while Josh kind of, you know, peruses the interweb. Yeah. We'll, uh, so we did this thing on Studio 5. And by the time this episode drops, it would have already aired on, on television. So and you'll no, be able to find it by going to their yeah, Facebook page. There's or, no point giving it a tease. But um, we were ironing and, uh, and we get done. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, so Leslie let you borrow the ironing board. Because we'd had some conversations kind of off the record, I guess, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was nervous. Casey was nervous. Like, I don't think Leslie's going to let me borrow the ironing board. Because, I mean, that's one of her most prized possessions. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It really is. Like, so we're sitting at the party again last night, and I was like, hey, I need an ironing board and an iron. Leslie, can I borrow yours? And the whole family looked at me like I just said the F word. Yeah, like it just like silence. Like record crap. <laughs> and they go, they wanted to see how this was going to play out. And I go, so here's the deal. I'm going on with Brooke Walker tomorrow. Me and Tom are going to have an ironing competition and talk about some of the things we've learned. And they go, you know nothing about ironing. I go, I know. That's why it's going to be funny. And she goes, I don't think I can let you take that. Cause, so Leslie gets up every morning and irons her clothes. She irons three different outfits. For the day. For the day. It's to only pick unbelievable. To only pick one. And so she was like, I don't think I can let you have my iron. And so uh, her sister-in-law goes, you can take ours. The last time we used it was to melt crayons on the ironing board for a project. I was like, cool. So I went over there and borrowed that. But, yeah. I mean, I bet you Leslie's iron is more than $200. That's a truck payment. Oh, ooh, that – I like that. Let's just give her a call real quick and just see. We got to wrap it up. Did we ever get anywhere with the brain? Yeah, we did. We'll get to it next time. Okay, okay hold we'll on one sec. Hold on one second. We can't call it. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Just hold on one sec. Organize chaos. Then we're going to move on. Maybe. Oh, that's funny stuff. Hi. Hey, you're on the podcast. Don't swear. Okay. Hey, so what did you say when Tate said he wanted to go skydiving and he told you how much it was? You said it. You said it's a truck payment, right? Yeah. How much did your iron cost? Hundred and twenty. Tom, what did you say? I said that's that's a that's close to a truck payment. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Hey, how come you wouldn't let me borrow your iron? It's kind of like would you let Bowden take one of your golf irons to school? Okay, gotta talk to you later. <laughs> They always win. I know. Like, they're really quick on the spot. All right. Stick around. More Dadtastic coming up. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.